So as I said, we're drawing our time together in the book of Proverbs to a close today. And over the course of the past few weeks, as we've opened up this extraordinary book, we've seen a number of different things. And really what we've learned as we've looked at Proverbs together is that Proverbs essentially gives us skills for living the life that God has called us to live. We've looked together at what genuine wisdom is. We've looked together at how we guard our hearts. We've looked together at how relationships are healed. We've seen how our plans in life and God's plans match up and what it means uh, when God sets the agenda. And we've looked together at the fact that if we are going to truly flourish in the life that God calls us to live in every way, everything that we we need and everything that we do needs to be underpinned with a fear of the Lord. You can't really live the life that God calls us to live unless we genuinely fear him, see him for who he truly is, put him in his rightful place in our lives and recognize who we are as a result of that. And with that in mind, we can't truly flourish in life unless we have a relationship with God. And today, I want us to look really at what I believe is one of the biggest relationship killers that there actually is, not only in our earthly relationships with one another, but also in our spiritual relationship with our Heavenly Father as well. And that is the issue of pride. Let me tell you a story. A pastor one day stood up in front of his church and he read out a letter of resignation. He was moving on and he read this letter out to the church. And as he did every week after the service, he went and stood on the door at the back of the church. And a lady came up to him and she was in floods of tears. And she said to him, oh, pastor, I can't believe that you're moving on. I can't believe that you're going to leave us. It's never, ever going to be the same again. The pastor was touched by her sentiment, also feeling a little bit prideful at the fact that she loved him so much, and he wanted to make sure that he appeared humble in this particular moment. So he turned to the woman and he says, don't worry, if the Lord is calling me on, he's obviously got a better pastor in mind for this place. To which the woman choked back the tears and said, that's what they all say, but they keep on getting worse and worse. What do we mean when we talk about pride? What is it that it conjures up for you, I wonder? When we talk about pride, we generally use the term pride, I think, in two different ways. I think we can understand it by talking about a healthy pride and an unhealthy pride. Healthy pride is the type of pride which is positive. It's the type of pride which where we get a a good feeling for a sense of achievement or the achievements of others. I wonder if you've looked at many people and seen what they've done and thought to yourself, you know what? I am really proud of you. Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend that you look at what they do and you think, yes, I've got a sense of pride at your achievements. And Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 15 talks about the Lord making an everlasting pride of Zion, a joy for generation to generation. We also see this idea in Scripture about us boasting in the Lord as well. So we could turn to Jeremiah chapter 9, for example, and read these words. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord. But 
the overwhelming usage of the words pride in Scripture, and particularly in the book of Proverbs, is a negative connotation. And when we look at the Old Testament in particular, one of the common rebukes to the people of Israel, and indeed what they're going to be judged on, it seems, more than anything, is this issue of pride. The kind of pride which is unhealthy is the kind of pride which magnifies our own importance whilst diminishing the importance of others and diminishing the importance of God in our life. Here are just some of the things that the book of Proverbs tells us about pride. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. And I've got to say to you this morning, church, I've got first-hand experience of this particular verse in my own life. As I'm sure you know, I'm a football fan. And when it comes to football, there are two great Dockland City football teams. There's Plymouth Argyle, and then there's the greatest football team that this world has ever seen, Portsmouth Football Club. And I've got to admit that... I was pretty confident at the beginning of this season. I was sure that this was going to be our year. I know there are a lot of Plymouth fans here, but let's face it. If we were to talk real today, I mean talk really real, there's no doubt that Portsmouth are a better team than Plymouth. Come on. Let's, let's be honest. That's true. And I was confident at the beginning of this particular season, so much so that I said to Dave Hawker one day, listen, Dave, I will do you a deal. If Portsmouth finish above Argyle in the table this season... You've got to leave worship in a Portsmouth shirt. But if Argyle finish above Plymouth, I'm so confident it won't happen, I will wear a Plymouth shirt to preach one Sunday. And by some absolute miracle, this year, of all years, Argyle finish above Portsmouth in the table. So today is the day (laughs) where I'm going to take my medicine and preach in an Argyle shirt. I've got to be honest, I feel a little bit dirty. And I've got to be honest, I'm not going to pay for an Argyle shirt, so I've borrowed this shirt from a friend of mine. And as you can see, he's a little bit smaller than me. So it's a little bit of a tight fit, but what I learned that day is pride comes before a fall. This is some of the other things that Proverbs tells us about pride. Before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honour. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, are sin. One's pride will bring him low, but he who is a lowly spirit will obtain honour. The first thing that I want us to see and understand this morning about pride from a scriptural perspective is actually that God hates it. We read these words in Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, a hand that sheds innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run with evil, a false witness which breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. That list starts off with this idea of haughty eyes. And what Solomon is referring to here when he talks about haughty eyes really is a person who thinks highly, too highly, in fact, about themselves. It's about how we view ourselves. He is referring to this kind of puffed-up ego whilst looking on everyone else as less than ourselves. The term hate 
seems an incredibly strong term, doesn't it? Because we're not supposed to hate anything, right? And yet what we read in Scripture here is the Lord hates these things. Why is this such a strong term? And really it is because pride is the precursor to all other sins in our life. That's how the serpent deceived Adam and Eve, wasn't it, in the garden, by inflating their egos. If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be like God. And that's how sin effectively infected the whole of the human race in the first place. Adam and Eve, they saw this opportunity to bypass God. They saw this opportunity to get rid of God and be their own God in their life. And what did they do? They grasped at that opportunity. Here's the thing about pride. Someone put it like this. Pride is the dandelion of the soul. Its roots go deep. Only a little left behind means that it will sprout again. Its seeds lodge in the tiniest encouraging cracks, and it flourishes in good soil. The danger of pride is that it feeds on goodness. And what we see in Jesus' teaching about pride is that Jesus warns about this in quite a harsh way too in the Gospels. We read this in Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no rewards from the Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites in the synagogues do and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you that they have already received their rewards in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Notice that when Jesus talks here, he doesn't say if you give, he says when you give. As a follower of Jesus, I am expected to do good things. It is not optional. If I want to follow Jesus, this is what is expected of me. But what Jesus is getting at here is that there is a danger that we will do good things for the wrong reasons, the root of which is pride. We do good things to feel good about ourselves. And the reason that Jesus really warns against that today is twofold. One, because when we do things out of a prideful manner, it's self-serving. Jesus is pointing out here that we don't give to the needy because they're needy. We give to them because we want to make ourselves look good. It's about self-promotion. The second thing is that a prideful attitude is self-defeating. You see, pride doesn't increase your capacity. It makes you weaker. Instead of being able to help and admit that you are in need, your pride will tell you that you don't need anyone. Instead of being able to admit that maybe you have weaknesses in your life, your pride will tell you that if you admit to those weaknesses, it will make you look foolish, so keep it buttoned up. Instead of being able maybe to apologise when you need to apologise, pride will tell you, who do they think you are making you feel like this? So here's the question for us all to consider this morning. How do we know if we personally struggle with the wrong type of pride in our life? Well, here are some of the symptoms, I believe, that the wrong type of pride manifests on a daily basis when we struggle with these things. The first thing is fault-finding. Pride can cause us really to filter out the wrong things in our own life, that really the things that we should be working on ourselves 
but it also then limits our ability to see the goodness in others as well. And we see the cracks and we see where people are messing up and getting things wrong and doing things wrong and we think, I can't believe, they're acting in that kind of manner. Secondly, pride in our lives can lead to a harsh spirit. When we struggle with pride, one of the temptations that we face is really to belittle others and to belittle them in their struggles and the things that they do in their life. Thirdly, pride can lead to a kind of superficiality as well. When we become proud, we're so much more concerned about what other people think about us rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to begin to transform and to change us where we need to be changed. Another symptom of pride can be defensiveness. When anyone brings a challenge or brings a rebuke, instead of maybe seeking what the Lord might be saying in that instance, we instantly go into this kind of defensive posture. Two more. A proud heart can seek attention as well. It seeks recognition and acclaim for the things that we do and adoration from others. And the final symptom that I want to touch on really this morning is that a proud heart can lead us to neglecting others as well. A proud heart will honour those that the world honours and brush aside those who seemingly have nothing to offer us. The last, the least and the lost of society. We, We forget about those because they can't do anything in return to help us. And if we're being honest, if we're being truly honest today... When we think about those manifestations of pride in that regard, it can be easy for us all at times to have prideful moments in our life or indeed let pride consume us altogether. And if that's the case, if as human beings our natural tendency at times is to be open to pride in our life and in our hearts, then what is the cure? Well, we see it in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 11 verse 2 says this, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 15, 33 says, The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom, and humility comes before honour. Proverbs 18, verse 12 says this, Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honour. Proverbs 29 and 23 says this, A man's pride brings him low, but a man of a lowly spirit gains honour. The key to overcoming pride in our lives is humility. I think at times we have the wrong understanding of humility, don't we? When we hear that term humility, we tend to think that we should go around thinking of ourselves as worthless, as people really who have nothing to contribute. But that's not the case at all, and that is certainly not biblical humility. Here is what biblical humility is not. Humility is not about denying the gifts that God has given you. You know, it's important to know where you are gifted. It's important to know what God has gifted you for, because when you know the gifts that God has given you, you have the ability to use those gifts to serve others. Humility is not a lack of desire or godly ambition. It is not wrong to want to be used by God for the advancement of his kingdom. It is not wrong to want God to do great things through you in order to see other people come to know him. Humility is not the pursuit of mediocrity, and it's not a denying or backing away from the truth. But here is what humility is. It's taking on the mind of Christ. We read these words in Philippians chapter 2. In your relationships with one another... 
have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You could argue that out of anyone who's ever walked this earth, Jesus Christ had every reason to be proud. He was the only begotten Son of God. He could have walked this earth and lorded it over everyone like an earthly king. He could have lived in the finest houses and ate the finest food and had people serve him. Yet unlike Adam, he he didn't consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but he took on the form of a servant. Rather than dishing out orders, he became obedient. You see, what we understand about humility, what we learn from the master, Jesus Christ himself, is that he makes himself low and then God raises him up. The truth is, pride is a disease which affects us all. We all have a tendency to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. And Philippians gives us his understanding about what it means to take on the humility of Jesus. But what does that mean for each and every one of us practically today? What are the tools that we need to walk out of this door and live a humble life? Live a life which is free of pride. Firstly, we need to be people who give others permission to point out pride in our life. The problem is, because we all have this kind of tendency at times to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, it also means that we have blind spots when it comes to our character. Proverbs 16 verse 2 puts it like this, All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. The truth is, if we want to be a people who develop a Christ-like character, we have to surround ourselves with Christ-like people who are going to love us enough to challenge us at times. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Let me ask you this, who are you allowing to speak into your life right now? It's important that we don't find ourselves in a Christian bubble, don't get me wrong. You shouldn't spend all your time with Christians because we are called to be people who are salt and light in this world. And if you're not consistently meeting with people who are not Christians, then things need to change. We need to be people who are getting out there in order to share Jesus with this world. But if we're going to be people who do that effectively, if we're going to grow into maturity as believers, we need people to challenge us, we need people to encourage us, we need people to cheer us on. So who is doing that for you right now? If the answer is no one, don't worry this morning, I've got an answer. The very first step you can take, if the answer is no one, genuinely no one who is speaking into your life in that kind of way right now, maybe the first step for you today is to get involved in one of our life groups here at Hope Baptist Church. Maybe the first step is to go and speak to Zoe after the service who coordinates those life groups and say, I need to be part of one of these. Because here's the thing, 
These groups that we have in this church are not just to have another activity here at Hope Baptist Church. We want to create groups where people are helping each other, where people are cheering each other on, where people are doing exactly this, speaking into each other's lives. And in a small group context, with a number of our Christians who are going to love you and care for you, this is the easiest way to start this journey today. And if you're here today and you're not part of one of our life groups, what are you waiting for? If you want people to be able to speak into your life, if you want to be getting rid of this prideful thing that you might struggle with, start today by taking that very first step and speaking to Zoe about joining one of these groups. Secondly, if you want to be a person who gets rid of pride in your life and you want to be a person who lives humbly, as the scripture teaches us to do, don't ask God to humble you. I expect you didn't expect me to say that this morning, but this is the key. Don't ask God to humble you because here's what scripture tells us today. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, we read these words, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hands, that in due time he may lift you up. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Humility is not an emotion. It's a decision of the will that we are going to be people who think differently and we're going to be people who act differently. So today the challenge is this. Where do you need to make a decision of the will to think differently in order to be humble today? Where do you find yourself maybe in tension with another and you might have been wronged but actually God is saying to you today you need to take the high ground on this and you need to show humility. Who have you been having an argument with, I wonder, where even maybe you might be right that you need to back down and back away in order for the sake of that particular relationship? Where do you need to choose to offer support to someone today, even if they can do nothing in return to help you? Where are the opportunities, I wonder, that God is giving you right now to show humility to others? And are you willing to take them? Number three, we need to be a people who constantly focus on God. If pride comes out of this kind of self-focus, considering ourselves more highly than we ought, we need to make sure that we become people who focus on the correct things. We also read these words in the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put them into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. When pride is pointed out in our life, maybe the first thing that happens is we become introspective. We begin to look at ourselves and look at these things. And that's not a bad thing. You know, if we're going to be people who deal with some of the roots of these things, we need to be able to examine ourselves. But there is a danger that we can stay in that place and become even more self-focused. If we want to be a people who not, actively choose, not only actively choose humility but walk in humility, I believe that there is a direct correlation between our thought life and how much we're getting into the Bible. 
Scripture tells us that we shouldn't be conformed to the patterns of this world. In other words, don't go around doing the things that this world is doing, allowing pride and self-focus to dominate the way that you live. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How are our minds transformed? Through Scripture and the work of the Holy Spirit. If you want to live a life of humility, consider this. What is it that occupies your thought life and what changes do you need to make today? And finally, if we're going to be a people of humility, we need to be a people who allow God to search our hearts. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 tells us this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And if we're going to be a people that God calls us to be, We need to take on that attitude that David had when we read these words in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. If we all have blind spots in our life, and we all do, whether we realize it or not, we need to be open and open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit's challenge and transformation revealing them to us and then being willing to act upon them and as we draw this sermon series to a close I wonder what your takeaway from it will be has God shown you a need for real wisdom in your life again maybe you're just about to make a decision that you know there's not really going to be honoring God and actually God is saying to you at the moment come on you need to think about this Maybe there's some relationships in your life which need to be restored at the moment. Do you need to catch a glimpse, I wonder, of who God is again? Is God prompting you to consider the plans that he has for your life today? Is God calling you once again to just begin to look at your character and your conduct? Proverbs is the book which gives us the skills for living living that life that God has always intended us to live. And it starts, ultimately, with placing him at the centre of it all. I'm going to invite the band to come back up.